Hello, Central. We're going to welcome everybody that's watching right now. I, I know this is different. I know this isn't how we in, intended to be meeting together this weekend. Um, but for the next several weekends, um, this is most likely going to be our platform. This is most likely how we're going to gather and how we're going to do church and how we're going to get the, the gospel message of, of Jesus Christ out. And, and I pray that, that you take this time to, to spend some time worshiping with your family and, and, and getting together with um, those around you and, and those that you love and, and really, really looking at, at what matters, um, our relationship with, with our God and our relationship with our family and our relationship within our community. And, and, and during this time, during this, this, this time of sort of uncertainty, this time of um, worry, this, this time where, um, where we're apart, my prayer is that we would be a people that, that we would learn how to put our faith over, over our fear um, and that we would do what we've been talking about for weeks, that we would able to be able to, to put our trust in God and to really put into action what it is that, um, that we say that we believe. Today we're going to wrap up this series called Battleground. It's been about spiritual warfare, and, and I've wrestled all week. Do, do we finish it, or, or do, we, do, we just, do we just scrap it, and do we just address everything that's going on? And I was reminded of something uh, that we said back in, in the summertime, that we don't get to choose our battleground, that, that we, we, can't, we can't pick our fights. And so when it comes to battleground and it comes to that, we, we, don't, we don't get to choose where we are, but, but we have to be willing to step up and fight when that time comes. And as we talked about last week, we have to understand that the, the battle ultimately isn't ours. Ultimately, it, it belongs to God. And, and so w- when the time comes, how, how do we... How do we fight? How do we fight as individuals? How do we fight as a church? How do we, how do we stand together? And, and this series has sort of been not necessarily a setup into what is happening in the world around us, um, but perhaps a setup on, on how to prepare for it, on, on how, to, um, how to face the spiritual battles that come into our lives, how to, how to step in front of the enemy and say, you know what? No, no, no. That that's not that's not who I am. And 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 the things that are going on around me, they don't they don't necessarily define who I am as a person. Especially when it becomes to to who I am as a person in Christ, because this is who God says that I am. And so, so today we're going to finish this series. And so, if you've got a Bible, Mark chapter five um, is where we're going to go. If you don't have a Bible, all of the scriptures are going to come across the bottom of the screen for you. Um, the way I want to start out today is like this. One of the things I know about every single one of us, every single one of us, every single person, doesn't matter if you're a Christian, you're a non-Christian, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter your economic background, doesn't matter where you come from, d- d- doesn't matter. Every single one of us, all of us, want to be successful. We want to be successful with our time, we want to be successful when it comes to our money. We want to be successful in, in our family. In every area of our life, we want to be successful. That's a desire inside of our heart. We, we want to have success. No matter what's going on in our life, no matter what's going on in the world around us, we want to be successful. We, we want to have success on the other side of what's happening in our world right now. On the flip side of that, nobody ever says, not me, I want to get it wrong. Like nobody ever wants to be the, the person that fails. None of you want to fail. And so with that, within this context of success and within this context of of spiritual warfare, 
I, I, I want to propose to you that every single one of us should have a desire um, to be spiritually successful. Honestly, success in your walk with Jesus. Because just like we don't want to fail financially and we don't want to fail relationally, I would argue that none of us really want to fail spiritually either. In fact, I would argue that, that all of us would say that when it comes to our spiritual life, we want to be super successful. We want to go beyond just success, and, and we, want to be, I mean, we want to be at the top of the success scale when it, when it comes to where we are spiritually. And so with that in mind, I'm going to give you the sermon in a sentence. In, in case you want to go to sleep or you want to turn off the internet or, or, or whatever, I'm going to give you the sermon in a sentence, and then you're, we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about that. Here it is. Spiritual success comes when we say yes to Jesus. Spiritual success comes when we say yes to Jesus. Now, when I talk about success, I, I, I'm not saying if you say yes to Jesus and you go home, you'll have a new Corvette in your driveway, which that would be awesome. Right? And, and, and if that happens to you, let me know about it because I want in on some of that action. I'm going to give you some stuff you can say to Jesus and, and boom, it'll be there. But, but seriously, we find spiritual success when we, fit, when we say yes to Jesus. Now listen, success may not come immediately, but it comes eventually. Success might not come immediately, but it always comes eventually because saying yes to Jesus is never a bad thing. Saying yes to Jesus is never a bad thing. Now I want to talk about this story and, and, and based on um, what is going on around us and in the context of, of spiritual warfare. Because what we see develop in this story, we're going to see that this is true, not just in this story, but in our life. So let's do a, let's do a real quick review. Mark chapter 4, Jesus gets to his disciples and he says, hey guys, let's go to the other side. Remember that? It was nighttime. They're getting ready to chill, prop up their feet. They're getting ready to watch Netflix or whatever. And, and, and they're going to go across the lake. And they, have, they have a mission on the other side of the lake that Jesus has for them. And, and, and they get in the boat and, and they get about halfway, let's say, across the lake. And, and as they're going across, they experience a, a storm, right? I just wanted to see if you were playing along at home. They experience a storm. And, and Jesus gets up, and, and Jesus calms the storm, and they're amazed. They had been terrified, but then they're amazed, which, which shows us that in, in the midst of anything that we're going through, Jesus is with us, and Jesus is going to take care of us, and Jesus is going to protect us, and Jesus is going to provide for us. They get to the other side. They land in a cemetery, and the naked, demon-possessed guy comes running out, which anytime you pull up to somebody's house and they run out naked and screaming and possessed, that's not a good thing, is it? So they deal with him, and, and then remember the, the, the demons inside of the man ask Jesus for permission to run out into the pigs. And Jesus, because he has all authority, because he, he reigns and rules supreme, he gives them permission, and they leave the the, the man, and, and they shoot out into the pigs. Remember that? And the pigs run down the hill, and they're, they're drowned, and there's thousands of pigs just dead <laughs> floating around in the Sea of Galilee. Well, that's where we left off last week. We're going to pick up there in Mark chapter 5, verse 14. The Bible says this, those tending the pigs ran off, which, which we said last week that when we don't understand what God is doing, sometimes we tend to run. Now, I'm going to be Super honest with you. Cards on the table. Right now, we don't understand what God is doing. We don't. We don't understand what's happening. We've never seen anything like this in our lifetime. There's doubt. 
There is confusion. There is anxiety. There is worry. People are, are scared. And our tendency is going to be to run from God because we don't understand what he is doing. But, but listen, don't miss this. There, there has never been a greater time in our history to where we need each other. I told you weeks ago, um, we need church because we will never become the greatest version of ourselves apart from one another. We need church because we will never become the greatest version of ourselves apart from one another. That seems like a, a very, very, very simple concept, but, but, but we're about to see that play out in the world around us. And, and, and as this happens, as this, as this, this thing keeps going, we, we need each other. I'll talk about that more in a little bit. Because there, there are people, like we said last week, that are running from God. And the reason you're running, or the reason you're about to run, is because you don't understand what God is doing. And if that's you, I, I get it. Listen, I've been there. And that's what happens in this story. Look at this. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. Like, that's a lot of demons. Thousands of demons. Who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid as would all of us have been. Look at what happens next. This is super weird. Those who had seen it told the people what happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. In verse 17, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. That's crazy. They began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. Now, have you ever not seen something coming? You ever been there? Like, like something happened to you and you're like, oh, I don't see that coming. Just came out of like nowhere. The other day, I was backing out of my driveway. I swear I looked both ways 962 times. But as I'm backing up, the little camera thing on my truck, it, it starts beeping. And, and I didn't hear it because there was a van stopped in the street behind me, blaring their horn, letting me know that I was number one for my backing skills. <laughs> it was awesome. Like, I, I, never, I never saw it come. Like, I, didn't, I don't even know where it came from. Most all of us have probably experienced something like that. Think about this. Think about where we are right now. Think about what's, what's going on. A month ago, two weeks ago, last, last weekend, yesterday, most likely none of us would imagine this is where we were going to be. A lot of us have lived through some strange times, some uncertain times, some, some difficult times, some scary times. But as, as, as more and more things get shut down, as more and more reports about this virus come in, we, we, can, all, we can all look at that and say, we didn't see this coming. We didn't see this. I was watching a news report about San Francisco the other day. I, I turned it off, and, and I had this thought, what, what just happened? How did this happen? How, how did we get to this point? Now, I get almost that same reaction when I read this story. Because think about it. You've got demon-possessed naked guy running around in town. He's obviously a nuisance. Jesus shows up, fixes the problem, and, and they say to Jesus, hey, we're like super glad that you did that, but um, 
look, man, we're going to need you to leave. You, you can't stay. You, you, you've got to get out of here. For years, this confused me. Until I'm going to realize something. The people had gotten, the people in the town, right, the people that are talking to Jesus, had gotten so used to the unclean that when Jesus began to do something clean, it made them uncomfortable. See, the pigs were unclean. The region was unclean. The graveyard was unclean. The man was unclean. But unclean to this particular group of people was completely normal. Unclean to them was completely normal. And so when Jesus began to try to clean what was unclean, they got uncomfortable. And, and instead of accepting Jesus, instead of welcoming Jesus, except, except, instead of getting on like team Jesus, they asked him to leave. And you know what? It's what happens a lot of times in our own lives. We get so, we get so comfortable with the unclean that when Jesus wants to do a brand new work in our lives, many, many times, and listen, 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 I'm guilty of this myself. When Jesus wants to do something huge in our lives, I'll just say no. Or, no, nah, I'm not interested. And, and I'll push it aside. Every single person that I know that's honest, every person I know that's honest, would have to admit that there's been a time that Jesus wanted to do something in your life. And, and you either said no or not now. And the reason we do that is because we fall in love or, or we get uncomfortable with the unclean and we refuse to accept the clean in our life. Now, b- before we get mad at these people, because I used to read this text and, and, and I used to be like, these people are idiots. Why would you kick the guy out of the region that cleaned up the mess? As I've read the Bible and, and, and I've, I've begun to, to understand myself and and, and to see what, what happens in my own life, especially when, when uncertainty um, creeps in and, and times of doubt and confusion and, and anxiety. Everybody on the planet has struggled with something like this. Like, like for, for instance, let's take the Apostle Paul. Paul writes something in the book of Romans that, listen, even if you're not a Christian, you're going to be able to identify with this. Look, look what he says in Romans chapter 7, verse 14. I love this. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. In other words, Paul says, I'm, I'm really excited that the Bible is there because it says things like, hey, you shouldn't kill, and you shouldn't steal, and you shouldn't covet. That's great stuff. But Paul's saying, hey, within the context of like, all of that stuff is good. But, but then he goes on to say, but, but here's the trouble with that. Here's the trouble with the law. He says, so the trouble is not with the law. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. Now watch this, verse, verse 15. I want to see if this connects with anybody, all right? Let's see if this connects with you. Look at this. I don't really understand myself for what I want to do, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Now, now real quick survey. Is anybody agreeing? Anybody nodding their heads? Anybody connecting so far? A- anybody? Maybe you should type me in the little thing in the box next to you or do a hand raise emoji or something. A- anybody there? Pa- Paul is saying, hey, I'm doing some stuff that I wish I didn't do. A- and then he goes on to say, but if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin. Everybody say sin. 
sin. It is sin living in me that does it. This is crazy. Listen to me. Don't miss this. This right here, this is the apostle Paul. The apostle Paul, one of the godliest men that ever lived. He's saying, hey, I want to raise my hand and I, and I want to say, hey, me, me, me. At times, I struggle with sin. I, at times, I love the unclean more than I love the clean. This is real. This is authentic. This is real life. This is something that every single one of us struggles with. Paul goes on to say, and I know that nothing good lives in, I know that nothing good lives in me. You're the apostle Paul. What do you mean? What do you mean nothing good lives in you? Right here he's saying, I'm not a good person. I'm not. On my best day, I need the grace of God. He says, this is my sinful nature. Watch this. I, I so connect with Paul right here. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. Dude, didn't you write in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? And, and right here, you're, you're saying, I want to do what is right, but I can't? Has, has Paul gotten a, a little bipolar on us right here? Like, I can, but I can't. I can't, but I can't. I want, but I can't. Right? Do, do you ever wrestle with that? Does that ever happen in your own life? You ever wake up in the morning and say, man, today I'm going to have a great day. Today I'm going to accomplish so much for Jesus. I'm going to do so many good things. And then you get home that night and you put your head on the pillow and you say, man, today sucked. I made some really bad decisions today. That's what Paul is saying right here. That's what's happening. He says, I, I want to do what is good, but I don't. You, you ever want to do that? Hey, I want to do good, but, 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 but I did this instead. I know I should do this, but, but, but I, just, I just can't do it. That, this is my life. This is my life right here. He says, I, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Today, I'm going to go on a diet. Oh, you are? Yeah, today I'm going to go on a diet, not eating anything bad. Hey, pastor, you want a donut? Yeah, bring me two and some milk. Bring me two donuts and some milk. Matter of fact, just bring me a tub of butter and a spoon. Like, I, I, like, I want to do what's right, but, but, but I, just, I, I just can't. That's, that's what's going on right here. I, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It is the sin. It is the sin living in me that does it. Isn't it funny how sin can just kind of sneak up on us when we don't expect it? It's so crazy how sin can just sneak its way into our life. Why are you saying all this, Ryan? What does this have to do with spiritual warfare? It's simple. While we are apart, for however long that this season keeps us scattered, we must continue to rely on each other and hold each other accountable. Listen to me. We're going to struggle, all of us. We're all going to struggle. We are in uncharted times. There is doubt there is worry, there is anxiety, there is uncertainty. People are afraid. That is why we need to stay connected to our church family during this difficult time. Jesus himself said, in life, in this life, you will, not you might, not you, not you probably, but, but you, you will experience difficulty. That's where we're at right now in a time of uncertainty, and a time of difficulty. And listen, 
We've got a choice. We can run from God or we can run to God. See, Paul said there's some stuff that I'm doing that I wish I didn't do. And then he says this. He says, I have I've discovered. See, see, if you, see if you agree with this. You, you don't even have to be a Bible person to agree with this. I have discovered this principle in my life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. This could be a verse on my mirror that describes me every single morning. How about you? I want to do what is right, but I inevitably do what is wrong. He keeps going. I love God's law with all my heart. I want to stop. I want to say this. Nobody, nobody, nobody would question Paul's love for God. Nobody. But will question somebody else's love for God when they mess up. Isn't that a double standard? Paul said, I I love God's law and I wrestle with sin. Listen, I'm not giving permission here. I'm just saying There are godly people that really do love Jesus that sometimes, according to Paul, sometimes do ungodly things. Paul says, I love love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. Because that's where spiritual warfare takes place. It takes place in our minds. It takes place inside of us. It takes place here. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Then he says this, oh, what a miserable person I am, which which I feel that way sometimes. How about you? Like, I I feel that way. Don't we feel that when we embrace the unclean over the clean? I'm never going to do it again. promise, I'm never going to do it again. I'm never going to go there again. I'm never going to talk to him again. I'm never going to call her again. I'm never going to go there. I'm never going to drink that. I'm never going to smoke that. And then we do it and we think, oh, what a miserable person I am. It's a circle of destruction, right? That's what that is. Now, if Paul would have stopped right there, it would have sucked for everybody. But then he says this, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? In verse 25, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. You know why he said that? Because Jesus is always trying to bring clean to that which is unclean. And spiritual success comes when we say yes to the work that Jesus Christ is trying to do in our lives. Listen to me. He's not trying to bring the clean into our life to punish us, but to prepare us for what's next. He's not trying to punish us. He's trying to prepare us for what he has next for us. So Paul says the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So so for the person out there that feels like you said yes to the unclean more than the clean, I know exactly how that feels. That's why I love what Paul says next. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says, So now there is no condemnation, no condemnation for those that belong to Christ Jesus. Not who belongs to the church, not who belongs in a Bible study. Not, 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 in other words, if you at some point have trusted your life to Jesus, you belong to him. And if you belong to him, there is no condemnation for you. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, if one of the godliest men who ever lived openly admits that he struggles with sin, that might mean that us, we're going to struggle with it as well. It, it's, it's not okay to continue in it. 
But it is okay to continue saying, you know what? I'm struggling and I need some help. When it comes to what we just read, when it comes to, to what we just looked at, my, my question for, for everybody watching this is, th- is this. Do you have something in your life that's unclean that Jesus is trying to bring the clean into? Do you have anything in your life that's unclean that Jesus is trying to bring the clean into? Do, do, do you have anything in your life that might be considered sinful that Jesus is saying, hey, dude, hey, hey, we need to address this. Is there anything in your life that is unclean that, that Jesus is saying, hey, I, I want to deal with that? Here's the deal. Is something that's popping up in your mind right now? That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit of God. And success will come if you say yes to the work that he is wanting to do. It really will. If you say yes to the work that he's wanting to do, if, if you're experiencing, listen, if you're experiencing conviction, it's not because Jesus wants to condemn you. He, he wants to correct you so that, so that he can put us back on the right path. And, and so if something pops into your mind, listen to me, if there's something in your life that Jesus wants to address, you, you, you need to say yes because saying yes is what ultimately brings success into our lives spiritually. Okay, so... <laughs> That was kind of like the message in a message. Um, let's go back to Mark chapter 5 because we're not done. Because you still got these guys, you still got Jesus hanging out. All right, verse 18 says this. As Jesus was getting into the boat, they had asked Jesus to leave, and, and I guess because Jesus was a nice guy, he said, hey, cool. You don't want me in your region? Fine, I'll leave. And, and so he gets in the boat. He, he leaves. He leaves. Talk about a missed opportunity, right? As Jesus was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Now, now for years and years, I thought, well, of course he wanted to go with him, right? He wanted to follow. That's what Jesus said. Hey, if anyone wants to be my disciple, pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus had healed this guy, and and surely this guy wanted to go with the guy who had healed him. Why didn't Jesus just let him come? But because of circumstances I've experienced, and because of conversations that I've had, I, I look at this text from a little bit different light. I think the reason that he wanted to go with Jesus is because he didn't want to go back to the town. Because think about this. How, how many of you know that if you mess up somewhere, you have a reputation in that town? Oh, you're the girl that got pregnant when she was 18? Oh, you're the girl that got pregnant when she was 14? Oh, you're the guy that got drunk? Oh, you're the teenager that did this? Oh, you're the pastor that said crap in a message? I'm, I'm just speaking hypothetically. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. You, you, can get a, you can get a reputation pretty darn quick in a town, right? I was talking to this kid the other day. This is a true story. He'd been through a tough time. Made a bad decision a while back. And um, that stuff is still affecting him. He said, you know, I've got some people in my life that won't let me forget what I did. They won't let me forget who I used to be. He said, you know what? I did it. I paid my debt. But, but people are still talking about it. People are still making fun of it. People are still telling me they wish I wasn't here. And people are telling me that I should just kill myself. People are just telling me I, I should just end my life. I should just... I, I, I just shouldn't even be here. 
And then he said, if everybody thinks that I'm that old person, then why shouldn't I just go back to my old ways? Why shouldn't I just do it? If, if people don't want me here, then, then maybe I should just go. I told him, I looked at him dead in the eye, serious as I could. I said, you know what? Sometimes you got to let people go. Sometimes you, you got to let people go. The, the people who identify you by who you used to be, you need to let them walk out of your life. He got this smile on his face, and we talked for a little while longer, and he said, thanks. You know, I'm, I'm not really sure how to do that, but, but I get it. I needed to hear that. And I left that conversation, and I started thinking about all of that stuff. And you know what? I need to hear that too. Sometimes maybe you, you, you need to hear that too. You, you, sometimes we, we, need to, we need to let people walk out of our life. The, the people who want to try to tell us, like, that's, that's who you are, that's all you'll ever be, and that, that's what you used to do, and, and they, they define you by that. Sometimes we just need to let those people go. We just need to let them walk out of our life. Because at the end of the day, this guy in the story, man, he had, he had a bad reputation, and he begged. He begged to go with Jesus, but, but watch this, verse 19, Jesus did not let him. Jesus, can I go with you? No. What? Are, are you kidding? Jesus, I, I thought you said that, that you want people to follow you. Yeah, I want everybody to follow me, except I've got a different assignment for you. Look at this. He said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Watch this. How much he has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. This is huge. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You can't come with me because if you come with me, you're running away. How many of you have ever wished you could run away? Anybody wish you could just get in your car, get in a plane, just go somewhere and just start over? I've wanted to do that a lot of times. But then I realize that I take the biggest problem I have with me. Me. Right? Everywhere I go, I take me, and, and I'm the problem, right? That, that, that's it. I don't know if anybody else has that, but that's what I have. I find it interesting here that Jesus said, no, 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 no. You, you go back to the place where you were the greatest mess, and let them see that I turned the mess into a miracle. Let, let, let them see the work that I did in you and through you. Jesus didn't say, no, 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 run from it. Jesus said, you step back into it and you show people, look, look what it says, show people the mercy. Watch this, how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Translation, they might not have mercy on you, but I do, but I do. There may be some of you watching this that you're wrestling. Wrestling maybe with a decision you made. Maybe with your past. Maybe with your reputation. You're the person who always did this. You're the person who always did this. You're the person who went there. You're the person who did this. And I'm telling you, when we say yes to Jesus, we step into his mercy. When we say yes to Jesus, we step into his mercy. Even if other people aren't willing to show us that mercy, Jesus says, you tell them about the mercy I showed you. That's awesome. It's awesome goes on to say this, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Can you imagine this? Like, like this man, what we have is this man saying yes to Jesus, and then can you imagine him walking in? Larry, is that you? 
Yeah, that's me. Larry, I haven't seen you with clothes on in a long time. What's going on? Last time I saw you, you were running around town. You were in the graveyard. You were naked. Yeah, I know. I know, man. It, it, it was crazy. I met this guy named Jesus. Dude, did, did you, like, hear about what he did with the pigs? Yeah. Well, changed my life. And, and, and this guy, man, he just, he just kept telling people. And telling people and telling people. He just kept telling people. Because listen, don't, don't miss this. When we say yes to Jesus, it goes further than our own lives. When we say yes to Jesus, it goes further than our own lives. When we say yes to Jesus, it overflows out of us and impacts the lives of other people. I'll prove it to you. Look, look, look at this. According to the Gospel of Mark, this is the first time. Like, like Jesus, Jesus hadn't been in, in the Decapolis, all right? And Mark says this. The man went away and began to tell him the Decapolis, which is 10 cities. All right, Jesus, at this point, hadn't been in this region. And, 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 and by the way, let me say this. If you're an innocent bystander, uh, this is where you might want to call Jesus to the side and say, um, hey, Jesus, come here, dude. Let's, let's talk for a minute. Man, that, that, that guy... Like, he has, he has no theological training. Like, he probably doesn't know a single Bible verse. No, number two, he's coming fresh off a demon possession. I, I mean, d- dude, this wasn't like a, a drug possession. Jesus, there were thousands of demons inside of him. He's probably going to need some counseling. He's probably going to need some therapy. And, and, and so, Jesus, let, let, let me get this straight. You're commissioning this guy to go preach the gospel? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that he's qualified. But you know what I've discovered? You don't have to be qualified to love somebody. And if somebody needs rescued, they don't care what condition you're in. We introduced you in week number two to the song Rescue Story. If, if you, you haven't seen that, you'll, you'll see it at the end of this message. It's our, our cardboard testimonies. Um, there's a line in that that says, you never gave up on me. 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 When, when somebody needs rescued, when somebody needs help, do you think they're worried about the qualifications of the rescuer? No. They're like, if somebody can get me out of the freaking pit, I don't care. Where, like, do, do you follow what I'm saying? What if, what if we could say yes to Jesus right now in, in the situation that we're in? What if we could say yes to, to be in the hands and the feet of Jesus in the community that we're in? Well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a church leader. I'm not on staff. Who cares? What if you just said yes to Jesus and allowed him to, to work in you and through you in the community in the time of doubt and uncertainty and confusion and fear that we're facing right now? What if the people around you saw that, that you can choose faith over fear? Because isn't it funny that one of the very first people that Jesus commissions to preach the gospel is one of the most jacked up people on the planet? Did it work? Let me show you. Let me show you. Mark chapter 7. Look at this. Verse 31. Jesus is doing all this stuff, and then the Bible says, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre, went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis, where he had told the guy to preach, right? Look what happened. Look at this. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus. They begged Jesus to place his hand on him. How did they even know about Jesus? How did they even know? Because of the jacked up, 
former naked, demon-possessed guy said yes and was willing to step into an uncomfortable place where he had a bad reputation. He talked so much about Jesus that eventually this guy gets healed. Isn't that awesome? See, see, when we say yes to Jesus, it doesn't just impact our lives. It goes far beyond. And listen to me, I get this. Sometimes saying yes to Jesus isn't easy, but it's always what's best. It's always what's best. I'll close with this. We have a unique opportunity in front of us over the next several weeks. We have a chance to say yes to Jesus in a season where, where, where none of us really know how to navigate. You have an opportunity to, to trust him, to, to put your trust into him, to, again, choose faith over fear and watch him move in ways that, that are beyond any of our imagination. So what is he asking our church to do right now? What is he asking you to do in regards of being his hands and feet right now? We have some great opportunities for you. I'm going I'm to throw these up on screen. The first is, um, is this. Consider reaching out to people in your congregation, in our congregation, friends or acquaintances. Make some phone calls. Let's check in with people. Do someone shopping for them. Run errands. These are all really simple things where we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. Teach a friend how to shop online. You can start with Pastor Ryan. I have no idea how to do that. Um, ask people how you can pray for them. That's the first one. The second one is create a social media post, sharing what God is teaching you through this experience. Send someone a message, book, an article, post a song that, that might be an encouragement to you. Go for a walk, number three. Look for opportunities to serve. Just, just walk around the community and just pray. Look, look for things to do. Is there an elderly person who, who didn't rake their, their leaves in the fall? Is there, is there something you can step in and, and help people with over the next several weeks? Find creative and compassionate ways to serve others around your, your community. Number four, schedule some time to pray. Pray for people directly impacted by this virus as, as well as those feeling the, the side effects of it. Pray for our government. Man, we, we got to pray. Do you understand that we're called in the scriptures to pray for our government? I don't care what side of the political spectrum you fall on. We are called as followers of Jesus Christ to pray for those, to honor and respect those in authority over us. Pray that they have godly wisdom. Pray for health officials, doctors, nurses, those on the front line. The fifth one is, and this is kind of cool, and I challenge everybody to do this. Download the if 714 app. This is an app that sends you out daily reminders for, for prayer. It's 714 a.m. and p.m. And what I would challenge everybody in this church to do this week, and you're going to see some emails from us, you're going to see some social media posts from us in the next couple of days, is that you would, on your phone, even if you don't want to download this app, then on your phone, on your social media device, you, you would set an alarm, it's your, however you, you want to do it, for 714. 14 a.m. and p.m. And that we at this time as a church at 7.14 every day, twice a day for the next seven days would read this verse and we would take some time to pray. Pray for our nation. Pray for our community. Pray for our world. First Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name, that's us, 
My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. In other words, I will bring the clean into the unclean. Number six, the next thing that we're going to do is every Friday night, we want to engage as a church family, individual families, in a house party. And so every Friday night for the next several weeks, until we can come together again, we're encouraging you to have family night. We're going to send out some different ideas and some different things for you to do. At 7 o'clock for at least an hour, we're going to ask you to spend some time in some prayer, and devotion, and doing a fun activity. And then we're going to put it on social media, and we're all going to see what, what everybody is doing. And, and we're going to connect that way. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to that. Number seven is just remember to be a, a people of generosity. Just be generous. Be generous with your time. Jump online at yourcentralchurch.com slash serve, and, and you can see how you can, how you can serve through this time in our church. Give, give of your, your talents. Sign up there, yourcentralchurch.com slash serve, and, and, and we'll give you some opportunities. If you can't come up with them on your own, we'll, we'll help you. There are things, there are people in our church that, that have needs. Help us help them. Help us minister to them. Help us be the hands and feet of Jesus in this difficult time. Give of your treasures. I know this is where I lose most of you. Here it comes. There are spiritual disciplines that we believe in this church that we follow, that, that you understand. And just because we're not meeting together doesn't neglect um, what God has called us as individuals to do. And so you, you visit during this time centralgive.com or on our homepage, there's a button for giving. You know, th- this is not a, a shameless time for us to say, well, I'm, I'm not in I'm not in church, and so I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to give them my time, my treasure, and my talents. If, if that's you, if that's what you're thinking, then you're missing an incredible opportunity right now to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to what he's calling you to do for, for a season, for a season, to help, to rise up and, and to step into who he has called and, and created you to be. It's going to be the time where you say yes or, or you say no. The choice is yours, church. The choice is yours. Let's pray.